0: everyone, and welcome to the 30 Days of Courage. I am so glad that you are here with us tonight. So without further ado, I want to welcome onto the show Michelle Hurd, and we are going to be talking about where is the law and order for survivors. Michelle, thank you so much for being here tonight. I am just super excited for this.
1: Oh, it looks like you're Hi. It's so good to be here. It's so good to be here, my dear.
0: I am super excited. Yes, and... are, you,
1: are you do you see me freezing? Because I feel like
0: Um, yes, it is a little bit freezing on your end. Um let's see, see hopefully. It... Um, can you hear me okay?
1: Oh dear. I can totally hear you. Um okay. I see that I'm sort of uh I'm a little delayed
0: okay well you know what we will just begin as, rolling with as long it. as
1: you can see me then we're good
0: yes okay we'll just begin rolling with it and it looks like it may have even worked itself out now and you know wi-fi is what it is and this is the age of you know using zoom and so i think everybody here understands <laughs> Um, But yeah, thank you so much for being here today. It's really a pleasure to be speaking with you. And um, I know everybody is super excited. We've had so many people join the group, just being excited to hear from you because you have such a powerful voice. So yeah. Uh, Well, Well, thank you for saying that. Let's just jump right into the questions. I um, have a few prepared. You have such a powerful story. You have a powerful career. And I am just really blown away by everything that you've done. Um, I know that you've been in Law and Order and Star Trek. There's so many amazing, amazing things. And that just blows me away. But I think one of the really history-making things that you've done that has been so just inspiring to me is your willingness to speak out about your experiences with Bill Cosby. And I know we don't want that to be the big focus of this interview, but I would love to just hear from you. Just, you know, what brought you to a point that, that made you decide to speak out not only for yourself, but for others?
1: Yeah, well, thank you, Ashley, for all those kind words. Um, you know, my uh, experience with BC um, And my need to speak out really came because i was witnessing um the fact that people don't listen to women (laughs) Mm. you know there was over 40 women who were uh um, abused by that man and they had been speaking out for decades when i had my situation with him um i was a stand-in on his show and he used to call me into his dressing room all the time and He would do all these weird sort of acting exercises with me and you know of course once i thought about it and you know especially now when i think about it and um you know he would put his hands on my body he'd touch my breasts he touched my my lower areas you know he's doing all this under the awning of uh, acting exercises and then there was one day where he said "Uh, why don't you come over to the house and take a shower and that way we can you can straighten your hair after that and we can see what your hair looks like straightened and and I'm so thankful for being like, I, I took, there was a, I'm a native New Yorker and um, I was a little delinquent for a certain period of time. And uh, I'm so thankful for that time because I was no longer drinking or doing drugs. And I also was like very, um, had my spider senses on. Uh, Cause every time I'd come into his dressing room, he'd always offer me some kind of a drink or beverage and tell me some story about this beverage. And I'd be like, no, 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 I don't drink. Um, and when he told me that, like every hair on my, my neck stood on end and uh i knew that was wrong something was wrong there you know and uh, i remember looking at him and saying well i'm coming to work tomorrow why don't i just come to work tomorrow with my hair straightened and we had this moment where we looked at each other and he looked at me and he had this like just you know unsettling um smile on his face Mm. and he said okay michelle okay let's do that And from that moment, I was like, something's wrong. This is, uh uh-uh, I'm out, you know? And and the fact that he was touching me and um, he had sort of, like, um, you know, groomed me not to speak to other stand-ins and not to talk to anybody and tell them anything about these sort of situations. So at that moment, I started talking to other stand-ins and the other girls that, you know... um, Looked like me or whatever and we all had the same experience and he literally was doing step by step the same things for each mm-hmm. of us and it was disgusting and we contacted one of the other stand-ins who had left and she told us of a terrible situation which i'm not going to say because it's not mine to tell um that she had gone through so i had gone to my my managers my agents told them about him. my manager and i told uh, the producers the casting directors the network the studio we told everybody this is over 20 years ago We told everybody, we got no help. In fact, we were shut down. Mm. In fact, we had somebody tell us that I should, they said to my manager, Michelle should feel lucky that he has chosen her. Hmm. Unacceptable, unacceptable. So for myself and for my self-preservation, I said to my managers, I no longer ever want to be associated with that man. I am extricating myself from his world. I don't want my name to be said with his. I don't want to have anything to do with him. I tried to do the right thing and people um, tried to silence me and I will not be silenced. So cut to decades later and I'm sitting on the couch, you know, watching TV, watching one of my favorite talk shows. And the topic comes up of um, of him and uh, the accusers and um, Meanwhile, like on my Facebook page, I had a lot of my, you know, friends posting things saying, "Oh, these people must be gold diggers. They must be, you know, trying to get their fifteen minutes of fame." You know, just mm-hmm. disparaging and 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 denying the truths that over forty women were saying. That's forty women who may not have even interacted with each other, who had the exact same stories. And I sat there and I was watching the show and I was getting so mad. I called my sister and I was like, Adrian, this is what's happening and it's pissing me off and, da, 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 da. and she was like, you should write something. I was like, I will write something. Let's, I'm going to write something. So I, you know, in this moment of, you know, like whatever, I, I wrote my firsthand experience with him on my private Facebook page just to inform my friends so they wouldn't be so ignorant and so, you know, judgmental of the other women. And you know, unfortunately, there was a lot of people of color, my brothers and sisters, who were making these terrible assumptions and saying, "Don't take down this this good black man," you know. And you want to go, mm. black, white, a predator is a predator is a predator. Yeah. So I wrote this, you know, I wrote this firsthand account, and just sent it out on my Facebook page. Which, of course, now I know anything you put out on the internet is not private, and let's all know that lesson learned. Everybody mm. remember this. Um, uh, quite almost immediately after that, um, that same moment, uh, somebody had private messaged me, my friend, and said, Michelle, this is a really important story. My brother works for Showbiz Online. Let me release it to him. He'd really appreciate it. I said, no, it's not for that. There are 40 women, 40 women who have told their stories, who have been raped, who are drugged and raped. Listen to them. Believe them. You don't need mine. Listen to them. He didn't listen to me, and he released my uh, story to the press. And you know, in the following days, I had people come up to my door front, banging on the door. TMZ, you know, um, all of the all of the different um, publications. My sisters were called, my agents were called, my managers were called. People, I mean, it, it was dreadful. Uh, but then, cut to that next week on the same talk show, all of a sudden there was this this you know one of the people who were hosting said, "Oh." It looks like Michelle Hurd from Law and Order had this experience. Well, I know her and she's not a gold digger. So you know what? Maybe it's the truth. And from that moment, you know, there was this big momentum. And what's so frustrating about that is that it should not take somebody who's a, you know, I don't even think of myself as a celebrity. I was on a TV show. And because I'm on a TV show, my voice should be respected more than just Anyone else? Unacceptable! Mm-hmm. Unacceptable! And this really, what it spurred me on to do, is to n- not so much um, track him down, but to advocate for survivors, for all survivors. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't need to be associated with him to give me some kind of badge as a reason to mm-hmm. enter into this this fight. It was because of those actions and because of the people not believing the people who are really speaking out that i said i have to do this i have to work harder so that everybody has a, a platform i'm not i'm not concerned about the few i'm concerned about the many i want to figure out a way for us to empower each other and to stand up for each other and to support each other and to make sure that no voice is left unheard you know i'm part of times up and it's sad what's happened with you know so much drama and so much you know with the the whole organization because it's truly a good organization at at its core it is a legal defense fund that will pair people who don't have any money with lawyers so that they can be defended and they can they can prosecute their predators. We had a day called the Day of Listening in which we brought people from every different vocation, women and men from different vocations, to tell their stories. I was so humbled and so uh, honored to receive this information, to receive these stories. And I'm talking we had news anchors, we had Olympians, we had, um, uh, we had house, home care workers, restaurant workers, hotel workers, so many people, migrant workers, so many people who have been abused and their voices are silenced. And yet we listen to someone who's on TV. We have to do better. We have to do better. And we women, we can do better. All we have to do is stand by each other, support each other, listen to each other, give each other the shoulder to lean on when the other can't. That's the reason why I do this activism work. That's the reason why it's important to speak up when our when our our friends and our and our strangers ha- feel that they have no voice. We need to give them the voice.
0: Ah, oh, wow. That is so moving what you just said. And mm-hmm. I can see people over here in the comments just sending like so many hearts and everybody is just really being moved by what you say here. And I think it's so important what you talked about. A lot of times the few people who already have some sort of a platform, um, a lot of times it's white women <laughs> who have platforms. And I think white women should have justice. But also a lot Absolutely. of times, voices are... You know, whether it's because of the color of their skin, whether it's because of a certain job that they have, like being an actor, or actress, a lot of times their voice is given more credence. And I love how your motivation has always been to help people who don't have their voices heard as loudly and to to elevate those voices. I think that's that's really what this should all be about. And I, I just love your heart for that. And mm-hmm. Um, I hope everybody listening really took that in how we all have to stand together. And when we have opportunity to uplift people, let's all take that stand. Just, just like you, Michelle, that's mm, so, so powerful and impactful. It really um, is,
1: you know, cause we, you know, women are so strong. We're such an amazing creatures. We really are. And as you know, men are too, I'm, you know, I don't want to disparage, but I speak from as a woman to speak to other women right now. And, you know, if we can find the. You know, strength in numbers. The you know the allyship. Um, we can really do just about anything and everything. And you know, I encourage you know that sort of moment when you see something, you witness something, you someone tells you something, and you you hesitate and you're not sure whether you should say something. Say something. Say something. Because you could, they could say somebody could say no, somebody could you know whatever, but say something because that mm-hmm. one that one voice of of support and allyship. Could, could light the fire under somebody to actually take a stance and escape their predators. So we need to do that. Yes,
0: yes. That bystander intervention, so, so important. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. And, you know, I, I would love to hear maybe you talk a little bit about what it's like as a survivor of color coming forward. You know, the Me Too movement was founded by a black woman. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the popularity of the movement has happened when there have been white women speaking out. And again, white woman, I'm a white woman, there should receive justice too. But a lot of times, women of color's voices are lost in the story. And then there's the complex thing where. Black men and men of color have sometimes been falsely accused, again, usually by white women. And so there's these complexities and these challenges that are different than what white men and women face when they step forward and talk about their stories. And I wondered if you had some thoughts on that 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 you could share.
1: Yeah, it's a very complex. It's incredibly complex that what you're speaking on. Um, You know, a very interesting um, event happened which speaks to my allyship thing. Um, And I was actually informed by her when um, I went to do something, I think it was at the Tribeca Film Festival or something, we were speaking on uh, behalf of Survivors or Time's Up, I can't remember, but I ran into uh, Tarana Burke, who you're speaking of, uh, who started the Me Too movement. And she said to me, she said, you know, Michelle, we met before. And I said, oh, I I didn't, Mm -hmm. when did we meet? We were on the subway in New York and I witnessed this woman, very emotionally upset she was just sitting Mm -hmm. across from me on the train she was really emotionally upset you could talk to my sister or my friends there you'll find out that i often have this um it's really hard for me to witness when people are in pain strangers yeah i often will like you know i i end up walking over to them and just ask if there's anything i can do because i i I feel i i hurt when i see people hurt and apparently Uh, I got up and I sat next to her and I started talking to her um, uh, on that train that day uh, and just basically said, you know, I'm here, Um, my sister, uh, you're not alone. Um, I see you. I hear you. And I just want you to know that you're not alone. And she took my hand and she said, thank you. Thank you. I had no idea who that was. I didn't even I didn't even know that it was Toronto afterwards. She (laughs) told me decades later, she's like, "You, you did that to me, Michelle. So this is what I mean about like, um, you know, reaching out, taking that that risk. um as far as, you know, I mean, we can go back to Emmett Till, for God's sakes, you know, a young fourteen year old boy who's murdered mercilessly because mm-hmm. a white woman said he whistled at her. Um, there is a <laughs> this is it's such a big, it's such a big topic, you know, it's hard to sort of uh, um, sum it up because we, People of color uh, have so many different challenges, right? We are trying to elevate and um, we're constantly feeling like we're being pushed down. You know, BC is a perfect example. You know, people were mad that myself and 40, over 40 other women were saying this about a black man, a good black man you know, what does that mean? I, I You know, I, I had an interaction with somebody, uh, an older white woman, and I had told her about this situation 20-some years ago, and she said, Michelle, you shouldn't say that. You know, that's, he's, he's, he's really a good man. He's the jello pudding man. Don't say that. And it's an amazing sort of, you know, uh, disconnect and, and deafness to have someone, you know, you tell your truth and they silence you. They try to silence you. Uh, I feel like, you know we it, we we owe it to ourselves and to each other to do due diligence to like do a little research to pay attention and to listen so there's not a you know if if a black person is saying that this is happening to them don't write them off because they're a black person just take a moment to, do, to listen and and maybe do some research same with a white person if a white person is saying this don't just sort of make take an assumption that it's correct or it's not take a moment to see each other as individuals, as as valuable, fragile, vulnerable, you know, priceless lives that need and should be heard and seen and supported. I mean, that's where we come to. If we wanna try to come into this world of kumbaya, where we're not, you know, looking at each other's color, well, then we have to do that, right? We have to really take the time to sort of go, I see this person. Let me listen to this person. Let me do my research before I start to spew sort of, um, you know, rumors or what I think somebody's saying or whatever, you know. I I think it's, I think, you know, black men get, you know, disproportionately accused of many crimes, you know, of anything and everything. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that needs to change. And the only way we can change that is if we all take a moment to breathe realize that we're all brothers and sisters here on this one tiny little earth we have, you know, I know Bezos is hanging out in space now and who knows what's <laughs> gonna happen, but right now we're all on this one little planet. And if we could just take the time to sort of really be, you know, it's it's funny these days, I, I hesitate when I say fair, mm. because I don't know if fair and fairness is applied in our society anymore. Right. It's really crazy, right? Because you you know, you want to go that's not fair. That's now life. Life is no longer fair. We now have these weird situations where inequity is normal. Mm-hmm. And to ask for equity makes the people who have privilege feel very put upon. Right. They're right. almost aggressively trying to push it away. So so what do we do in that situation? How do we fight for that kind of equality? And, I, and it's a, that's an open-ended question, you know, I, I don't know. I think the, you know, the steps to do that is to see each other, to hear each other, to give each other the space and the support and the belief, at least, you know, start with belief and try to be a, a, an ally. If we don't, if we only assume, you know, make these assumptions of a body of people, well, I just think we're lost, and I just, I, you know, it's interesting. My mother and my father were both um, civil rights activists. My father, mm-hmm. who's, who was an actor, actually worked with Maya Angelou and another wow. uh, black actor, uh, oh my named, gosh. Uh, Godfrey Cambridge, and they created something called the Matinee for Freedom, where they would um, invite black artists into a cabaret setting, and they would, you know, perform and sing and dance and do all that stuff to raise money for Dr. King. My father was mm-hmm. ended up being blacklisted. Many years um, because of that. My mother's white and she was ostracized by her family when they got married, all this kind of stuff. Hmm. And I, I asked her, um, I said, you know, because they they got married when there were still states that did not ac- uh, acknowledge a black and white marriage, that they were illegal. Wow. My eldest sister was born, that was illegal to have that child. Um, so they experienced the death of um, both Kennedys, of Malcolm, of Dr. King. And I said to my mother, especially during the beginning of the pandemic when we were watching all those terrible videos of all these you know elijah mclean and um, uh, ahmed aubrey and george floyd and all these people mm-hmm. i said mom h- how did you continue i said you saw dr king get mur- you know executed you saw malcolm you saw bob you saw the kennedys what what did you do i mean it was like this the, the sky was falling in and she said honey i had hope i had mm-hmm. hope for a better future we're on the right side of history and we're not going anywhere mm. and we have to have hope. And so that's my thought, is that with all of the inequities with, regarding race in reporting um, and, in a, you know, and, and in victims, I hate saying victims, but when people are attacked, survivors, uh, we have to have hope that there's going to be more of us who will do the right thing, take the time, Learn, educate mm. ourselves. Don't make assumptions, and be an ally and help each other.
0: Wow! Yes, yes. Uh, mm. I know that. I learned new things just listening there, mm. and I I'm also just like oh my gosh, my Angelo. I just <laughs> she's one of yeah. my favorite uh, yeah, <laughs> favorite people. I love listening to interviews from her and just oh my gosh. Um, but yeah, really, it is something where we have to listen to each individual person. We we can't just make snap judgments based on what a person's skin looks like or their sex or gender. And it's it's really, I, I do feel like there's some movement happening. Like you said, we have hope that we're going to be on the right side of history, but it is infuriating um, the injustices that still happen. And, and so thank you for shining a light on that. And giving us a, a deeper understanding of that issue um, and I wanted you know, to that,
1: add- the, just to, just to throw in there just a you know another little gem because I always think of that whenever I speak about that kind of <laughs> stuff we always have to think about like John Lewis right he said do not get uh, lost in the sea of despair be hopeful ours mm. is not the struggle of a life of a day a week a month or a year ours is the struggle of a lifetime never be afraid to make get into trouble make good trouble so that's, that's where that sort of quote comes from. Uh, and that's the truth, right? Don't yeah. be afraid to make good trouble.
0: Yes, yes. And you are a good troublemaker. And we like good troublemakers here because that takes courage. And that is, that is really what we're all about. And so, ah, uh, yes, 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 yes. All the troublemakers need to come together. Um, <laughs> And everybody listening, um, we're going to be doing a Q&A in a few minutes. So just remember, you can drop your questions at any time. I'll scroll back through and get to them. But um, continuing on with our conversation, I know that you've worked on a show, Law & Order, many other shows, but I know a lot of people know you from there. And... You know, I think probably you, like the rest of us, were used to seeing on TV kind of like these neat and tidy endings, these, you know, the justice comes about because the the actors in the show bring that justice. But as a survivor yourself, is that really what it feels like in real life?
1: No, (laughs) Um, not at all, you know, and and in fact, you know it's such a good question because i I do really want to encourage and empower all of our survivors that there is no wrong or right way to deal with your situation you know um, for myself, I chose not to uh, track you know BC um, however, becoming part of times up, I literally would go to the courthouse and stare Harvey Weinstein down, you know. Yeah um i'm i wanted to empower myself to empower others um mm-hmm. uh as you know as you ashley you know i i don't like having my name and his name in a sentence that's just mine there are other survivors who are more than more than empowered to say their their uh, attacker's name out loud and and i think we need to celebrate that and we have to mm-hmm. you know um encourage both of those not both because there's many many different ways that right. people are, are right. dealing with their um, their traumas. Uh, speaking of traumas, you know, I absolutely, um, I would not have thought that so many decades later mm-hmm. that that person could affect me the way he did when I saw his face on the TV when he was released. Yeah. I thought I had been done. My I called a couple of my other BC sisters and we talked and cried because, you know, speaking of law and order we waited we didn't wait it took 30 some years to have this justice happen Mm -hmm. and then the justice was taken from us right so there's no tidy ending here there's Mm -hmm. no tidies it's not it's not you know before the commercial break we're gonna get you know the person's gonna go to jail um it takes it takes time Mm -hmm. but like Gloria Steinem says uh you know this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And sometimes it's a relay race where we will have to hand the baton to someone else. But as long as we're all here and we're all fighting and we don't let our, we don't take our eye off the prize. And the prize is hearing, respecting, and reclaiming the lives that survivors have had to, have had ripped away from them. That's the prize. However we get there. And sometimes it comes with a, you know, fantastic justice when, you know, the gavel is, is um, 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 hit or whatever. Yeah. And there's a sentence and the person has gone away. Sometimes it comes with just talking and amplifying, mm. making sure that we're seen and we're heard and we can figure out a way to build ourselves back up. I'm a true mm-hmm. believer. I think I might have mentioned this to you, Ashley, earlier that, you know, the real egregious and painful part of um, this kind of misconduct is that the innocent part of, of us that lived prior to the event mm-hmm. is now m- killed. Yeah, yeah. It's killed.
0: Yeah.
1: Our trajectories changed with that person's actions. Mm. And we have to respect that and really understand that and therefore help build, rebuild, rebirth almost, that person to enter into the world again, to give them the steps and the tools and the power and the voice to speak up, whether it's to speak up against that person or just to speak up for themselves. Mm. That's where true justice happens. When those individuals who feel like they have been silenced and they have been they have been killed mm. can find their voice again can find the power and the strength and, the, and the, the backbone to stand up and go, I deserve to be here. I deserve to be seen and heard, and I am not wrong. Mm. That's what the true justice is. How we get there, it's complicated, it's long, there's no right or wrong. Um, we can't always rely on the scales of justice. But what would be beautiful, what would be beautiful is if we could rely on each other. to look out for each other and to stand up for each other and to fight for each other.
0: Yes, 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 yes. And I love how you highlight that the way that we get to that place is different for each person. And it's not just the survivors who use a name and call out a public figure. It's the survivors who find the healing path for themselves more quietly, who tell that one safe person in their life. There are so many ways to be a courageous person. There are so many ways to find this healing. And I, I love that we, we. I think so many times we are told that we need to find justice in the justice system. And a lot of times that justice system is not just, and people get out of jail on technicalities all the time. We're seeing that I mean, with the Larry Nasser um, Right moving forward. And it's just, it's heart-wrenching because you know the thing that the women have been through. Um, and in some cases, men, you know, have been through. And yeah. Yeah.
1: Mm. Yeah. Heartbreaking. heartbreaking, Really, truly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: For sure. For sure. And I'm wondering, on like more of a personal note, what have you learned since, you know, coming forward and talking about your story? Like, what have you personally learned from this
1: yeah um, that's a, that yeah it's a loaded question because so much <laughs> um, you know first of all you know the heartbreaking thing is that by speaking and and um, and uh, and having the my story told mm-hmm. in the public whether I wanted it or not right uh, the door was open and I and this is the only part of that that I value mm. is that it opened the door to other survivors to approach me and talk about their experience. Yeah. And um, for that, I'm humbled. You know, mm. I can be standing in, in, you know, on the subway platform or in the supermarket and somebody will come up and go, excuse me, are you Michelle Heard? I read your post. This happened to me. I had a situation. And the value of speaking your truth to a listening supportive ear, uh, I think is immeasurable because yeah. you can imagine people speaking to someone who's not privy to these kind of experiences or who don't believe you mm-hmm. and how damaging that could be. It's a, it's another betrayal. You're assaulted again because you have to defend the fact that you were abused. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's horrible. Um, and, and it really did sort of um, solidify my um, activism work. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I think I was always an activist and it's, you know, it's, it's in my blood. I can't, I really can't sit silence when I witness injustice. I mean, I literally can't sit silent. You know, people have to be like, pull me out. It was so funny, like, especially doing law and order. I have to remind myself when I was like just walking around that I am not a police officer and that yeah. I do not have any kind of power at all. And so, you know, <laughs> take it easy. What I want to, you know, protect people. Yeah. Um, but it, I think what it really did was it, um, it really spurred me on to, to the importance of taking care of the many, of providing space and a platform. And, um, you know, I know that there was all, you know, there's all the drama over, Cuomo or whatever but you know I, I was part of um, times up with where we were able to um, change the statute of limitations for uh, rape in second and third degree in New York which is really mm. you know imperative and trying to you know because I mean if we think about like priests and children those are children the children oftentimes don't come forward for t- 20 30 years so to have a statute of limitation over rape is ridiculous so I think really what it did was it made me sort of realize the importance of um, of of activism work of mm. of making sure that we as individuals think of each other as a community and fight to make sure that our community is safe you know I, again i'm not interested in helping the few mm. i'm am I'm, I'm i'm driven and focused on helping the many mm.
0: yes
1: yes yes yeah. yes uh And your
0: activism work is helping many people and um, whether it's person on the subway, whether it's people who've read your story online that you'll never meet, you know, the ripple effects. Mm -hmm. I really think that this is history making stuff. This is, you know, things that are are changing our world on a deep level. And though I wish change would happen faster, this is creating change. What you're doing is creating change.
1: Yeah. Thank you, my dear. As Mm -hmm. are you as was this whole, I mean, you, this, this, this organization is phenomenal and um, I thank you for it. I really mm-hmm. do.
0: Thank you, thank you. What do you wish that the press and media would have done differently? There's always this press and media story creation with any story, um, but I know, especially in your case, you didn't want your story going to the press. That was against your will. And yeah. so, whether it's talking about that or maybe something else, what what do you wish that press and media would focus on um, when maybe they're focusing on something else entirely?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, it's it's uh, you know, I appreciate our press. I appreciate our yeah. reporters yeah. and freedom of the press, and you know, all of that stuff. I don't want anybody to be out of jobs or whatnot. I guess. Right. But there there is something about you know, um, clickbait and um, money um, that I think drives people mm. to, um, uh, to amplify. Yeah. And, um, and I, you know again, I understand, I get it, I get it, that's the world we live in, but I do wish that there was a little bit more of humanity in our, mm-hmm. our reporting. I, I, I'm kind of feeling like humanity is becoming this sort of weird thing of the past, which mm. it can't be. You know, it, it really can't be. We, we really need to look at each other as brothers and sisters. We really do, you know, and once we start forgetting that and we're forgetting how to talk to each other with a respectful way. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm often, you know, um, I feel uncomfortable sometimes when I watch reporters push their mics into people's faces who've just had a loss. Right. or have just been used or you know and how do you feel you want to be like well, what do you you know yeah how do you yeah. think i feel you know i right. mean uh and and i could tell that that was happening with a lot of the predators that are you know i'm i'm an actor obviously so in my industry um we right. have a lot of predators and what seems so uh prevalent is that the press would like to jump on the names mm-hmm. and uh you know some fabulous you know, star that, um, you know, was going to give them a a sentence and that that would amplify and become so big. And that's the story now. And, and again, you know, again, like that day of listening, there are so many people, so many people who are asking for help, you know, asking to be heard. And because we don't know their names, Mm. we don't, they're not valuable enough. I mean, I, I don't understand that. I wasn't, you know, God, you know, I I wasn't raped by BC. But there was over 40 women who were who were drugged and raped. Mm-hmm. And we didn't believe them? We we didn't believe them? It took over 30 years? I kept thinking about this cuz I there was some scenario where um uh I think it might have been HW. I I'm not sure but somebody was saying something and they were like you know this should happen now this needs to happen now this needs this change needs to happen now and i was struck at the fact that like i don't think this person was alive when i had been molested by bc yeah i wish things happened right now yeah but the wheels of justice are slow and when yeah. it comes to women they go backwards
0: mm. <laughs> Yes. So, uh,
1: you know, one thing I wish that our press would do is, again, see that word came into my head, fair. Mm. Is it fair? What's fair anymore? Is there, do we even measure things with fairness? Mm. I don't think we do. I think we measure them with clickbait and likes and views and money. Yeah. And once we start putting money over human lives, then we're (laughs) lost. You know, and and I in and, and those moments, I hearken back and I listen to my mom and I say, I have hope. Yeah. I have hope. I have a hope, I have hope for a better future. I have a hope that we will all realize that we are here together, brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and that we need to respect each other, support each other and protect each other. So yeah. I just wish that the press would do better.
0: Yeah, so. yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I hope anybody who might be in this group, who is press, would heed those yeah. words and would, you know, really heed those words and and respect survivors and handle their stories with care, get education about trauma before you speak to people who've been traumatized. Um, such mm. an important thing. I know I've spoken to a lot of people in the press myself. Um, we've done different rallies and protests about abuse in the Southern Baptist Convention. and independent mm. fundamentalist Baptist churches. And there's a lot of good reporters. And then there's others who they're just out there to get the story and be one of those good reporters. If you're be one of those good to reporters. Listen. Yes. yes. We, we I, value I love you. what you
1: said. You said something. Um, you said uh, that you wish that some reporters would get some um, trauma training. Yeah. So that they would actually know how to interact with people when they speak to them. I mean, I, that would be phenomenal, amazing. And it reminds me of this, somebody said to me once, they, they, this was a quote they had said, oh, I read this quote, it's really great. And they said, I, I appreciate when people don't give me direction down paths that they haven't traveled. <laughs> and I love that. Because you know how many times people tell you things and you're like, Well, I don't know about that, but this is what I would do. And you're like right well, if you don't know about that, then you don't then stop it. You know, stop Yes. It. That's a there's a real truth to that. You know, like be educated if you're gonna start saying stuff. Yeah, yeah. Take a moment before to educate yourself.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And before we take a quick break, before our Q and A, um, if you just had like one or two words of advice for survivors, um What would you say to them
1: today? I uh, I think I would say you're not alone. Mm -hmm. You are not wrong. It is not your fault. Mm. You are strong. Mm -hmm. You have your future ahead of you. You are not defined by this moment. You will rise like a Phoenix, stronger, more powerful, more brilliant, and more bright, and you can now help others.
0: Mm. But you're
1: not alone, and it's not your fault.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. And um, mm-hmm. everybody, we are going to be right back with a Q&A Um, So make sure you're dropping your questions in there. I know I've seen a few come through and I'm excited to dive into those. But first we wanna thank our sponsors, Sojourners and SNAP Survivors Network of those abused by priests. These are um, two organizations that are on our sponsor list and we have several others and just wanna call their names out. And we have a quick video from SNAP for anybody who this may apply to. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the 30 Days of Courage. We are talking with Michelle Hurd, and we are opening it up for a live Q&A. And we're just going to jump in with a few of the questions that have been sent in. So this question right here I thought was a really great one. It is, do you have daily practices to keep you out of despair and help you lean into hope?
1: Yeah, you know, I am, um, I mean, I'm an athlete. I've always been an athlete. I was track and field when I was back in the day, police athletic lead in New York and Colgate's women's games. Um, also a martial artist. And to me, uh, my, um, my church is the gift of physical activity. Um, you know, this, this, this here, this little vehicle, I would like this vehicle to take me on many, many journeys for the rest of my life. And I would love to be able to do that as upright as I possibly can. So um, I, uh, and as women, you know, it, what's crazy is that there's, if there's a to-do list, you know, we do, there's all these things on the thing. And then the bottom of the to-do list was like, what was I supposed to do? Oh, eat, that's right. Cause we just don't <laughs> think of ourselves, right? So we can't do that. I think that one of the most important things, and the one of the things that gives me, that is my church is doing some kind of a physical activity, whether it's you know jumping on a peloton bike or soul cycle bike or whatever bike you want, or swimming, um, yoga, which I love. Um, Pilates, ballet bar. I, I love uh, um, I call it muscle confusion. I like to do a whole bunch of different things, but what I, the most important thing is that that's my time. That's my time. That's I don't look at my phone. I don't look at the you know uh, emails. I don't I don't I don't take in any other information other than what I'm doing for myself for my for this vehicle, this yeah. this one little body that you know in this lifetime this is what I have and I want to respect her. I want to empower her. I want to give her all the love I possibly can. So um, that's really what I do um, for my my sort of meditation.
0: That's awesome, I love all of that. Yes, yes, and a follow-up question to that, someone says, what martial arts have helped you the most?
1: <laughs> um, I'm a black belt in Goju, Goju and Jetsu, which is an Okinawan style of martial arts. I keep joking, because my two nephews, I put them in um, uh, mixed martial arts for, gosh, since they were like, they're now 14 and 18, and I think I started them both when they were like, six and seven, because I, you know, <laughs> i'm a martial artist i wanted them to be martial artists and it's so it's so funny because those schools that are happening now there's pads all over it's all (laughs) cushy and it's so nice and lovely and you know my dojo was concrete and we had wooden makiwata pads i've like broken every finger on my hand and yeah so it was a little different back in the day but mine's classic straight up old old time karate nice
0: nice very good um another question that we had come in is how do we help not only the press but all of society to be more trauma informed?
1: Oh my goodness, such a good one. Um, I have to say, speak, speak out. You know, take the moment if you're on, you know, any kind of social media platform and you have people who are following you, even if it's from, you know, one person to a million, speak, talk it, say it, yeah. you know, talk about. You know, standing up and protecting your, you know, fellow survivors or survivors in general. It doesn't have to be fellow survivors. Just you know, listen and 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 hear and believe and you know, um, don't make assumptions and you know, don't don't make sort of vast assumptions because of, of colors and all that kind of stuff. I think you know, get yourself involved in whatever sort of uh, um, um, support groups or. Uh, um, Um, activism groups that are in your community it's incredibly fulfilling it really is you know and you just you find yourself with like-minded people and all of a sudden as I always say strength in numbers and you can really find that if it's like one or two people you all of a sudden feel really galvanized you know and you might be able to bring more people in there so it's really about looking into your community um you know exploring you know it's it's sort of weird nowadays because everything's on social media and you, you know to say look at social media posts and you know retweet them or whatever. But there is a truth in that because more eyes on stories, um, more ways of amplifying the truths that happen to people, men and women, the, you know, being abused, uh, the more possibilities that we can make change happen because the people who don't have a platform are doing everything they can to, to try to get up, be heard. And I I think it's our responsibility to hear them and to amplify them. And in the same you know, scenarios of looking at social media things, be aware of the people around you, of the environment you're with and you know your friends and listen to them because we when you're in a perhaps if you're in an abusive relationship, it's difficult to speak out, but there's cues. Like there's little sort of clues, I should say um, that, that might sort of um, open a door for you to walk in and, and help somebody. So um, mm-hmm. I, you know it's all about amplification and strengthen numbers.
0: That's great, that's really great. Um, question about mental health care and mm-hmm. why there may be such a stigma for mental health care in the um, black community and maybe some ways to begin overcoming that and creating better conversations. And we have um, a beautiful board member on, Courage 365 board she is a black woman and she is a therapist and I know she talks about that a lot and so yeah yeah I would love to hear your yeah
1: thoughts. so yeah my mother is actually a psychologist so I am a huge therapy girl <laughs> like the entire family were big therapy peoples um, you know it's it's a challenging thing with people of color you know I think we have good Lord <laughs> you know I think we've just gone through so many things in the s- hundreds of centuries you know that we've been yes. around and Um, we're just trying to find our way and there's a, there's a concept of weakness, uh, you know, when you seek out help, which we really just need to squash. Mm. We need to talk about how empowering it is to seek help, how empowering it Mm. is to look to change things that you're finding yourself locked into. I always used to joke and say, look, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, whether it's from, you know, I'm getting uh, financial aid to do it or I'm able to pay for myself. There is somebody who has to sit on the couch for a whole hour and <laughs> listen me talk to myself, talk about myself. So I don't <laughs> see what's the problem there. Sit on down. You don't get to say nothing. I'm going to talk all about myself for a full hour. So that's kind of cool, you know? So if you can even thinking of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is this some um, very, you know, it's it's antiquated and it's a carryover from who knows from... Uh, I. I I don't even know from from why, but people of color have a a little bit of a hesitance when it comes to seeking help. But I I wish we could understand that it's literally about empowering yourself. It's, you know, if you find yourself in some kind of Pandora's box, some depression, some, you know, bad relationship, uh, uh, addiction, uh, eating disorders, uh, 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 any of those things, this is a way that you can find your way out of Pandora's box but yeah. you can empower yourself. Therapy's phenomenal, it's phenomenal. Yes. And it, it teaches you how to use words. I was saying to Ashley earlier, I'm really conscious of the words that I use because it's really, words hurt <laughs> and words are powerful. And the words we use about ourselves, unbelievably impactful. So be respectful, not only like I said, this is my vehicle, not only am I respectful of this vehicle, I'm respectful of the words I speak about this
0: temple. Mm. Yes, 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 yes. And I would like to end the Q&A with a final question. Um, We're so thankful for the time that you spent with us. And my question is, what does courage mean to you? It means something different to everyone. And I'd love to hear your definition
1: of the word. Yeah, that's a good, that's a very good question. What does courage mean to me? Um, I think courage means fully embracing all of my imperfections stepping up and presenting myself as a full realized individual Mm. um knowing that i will make mistakes happy to learn from them eager to have a new lesson every day and to embrace each day with that kind of a concept
0: powerful, powerful stuff. Mm -hmm. Michelle, thank you so much for your time. I know that it has uplifted my soul and my spirit. Mm -hmm. It has been so, so wonderful talking with you. Thank you. Thank you.
1: Thank you, Ashley. Thank you so much for this opportunity. It's been a blessing.
0: Thank you all so much for tuning in tonight. It was a pleasure speaking with you all. Live with courage.